Welcome to Ergo Done on WHPK 88.5, ErgoRadio.com. I'm Daniel. I was good, y'all. It's Damon. I'm here. Oh, good to see you, Dan. Hey, man. I'm doing my job. <laughs> Show up on time. Uh, we're professionals <laughs> over here. It's starting to feel... Does it feel like a job yeah, to you at this yeah, point? Yeah, no, this is real work. Very real work. <laughs> the most fun job in the world. What we do here, we showcase strong young voices from Chicago and beyond each week, a different artist, writer, journalist, musician, organizer, just person reshaping the culture of the city, comes up here, speaks their piece. We, uh, you know, we give them that space. Uh, before we get to our guest this week, got a couple community announcements as we like to do. Dane, what do you got? Um, today at the police board or at the police station on 35th in Michigan, uh, the police board is having their monthly open meeting. So we always go and turn up on them specifically around the case of Dante serving the officer who killed Rakia Boyd, um, and was like unjustly let off. So he is still a CPD employee and they are like not firing him. I don't know why I feel like they're just trying to like spit in our face. So we really trying to turn up on them. So if you are free tonight, this evening, 35th in Michigan, you can come let your voice be heard. Also, LTAB is about to start louder than a bomb. Um, the largest youth poetry slam festival in the world. This is the 16th year. I'm pretty sure 15, mm-hmm. 16th 16, year. Yeah. I'm going to be hosting some bouts. So I'm really excited. This is the first time I've like actually officially been a part of LTAB outside of like some real like adjunct. That's beautiful. Yeah, well, yeah. So come through, say hi to Damon. I'll be uh, outside site managing. You can catch your merch from me, catch a t-shirt, catch a book. Also, I might do a little DJing here and there, you Ooh. know. Um, DJ Empathy and the Young Curators. Yeah, so we're that's that's <laughs> the soft opening of my DJ name right now. Uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> come through louder than a bomb. Tell me your thoughts, and uh, we'll, we'll see if it doesn't see a revision by the end of the month. And as always, shout out to the Lighthouse Ergo Sponsor, 1373 East 53rd Street. That is family. Go over there, get yourself a good meal. All right, so with all the business out the way, let's get to our wonderful guest. First of all, um, I'm just really excited to have you here. It's like a little bit of a different look for us, and it's it's a beautiful thing. We have this meeting of the media minds. Um, <laughs> why don't instead of us introducing you, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourselves and get real close to get real close to the mic. Uh, I'm Daryl Holliday, the editorial director of City Bureau, uh, getting close to the mic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm a journalist in the city, worked for DNA Info, uh, sometimes in the past, I'm a group called Illustrated Press, which does uh, sequential art, graphic novels with journalism put together. Hey! We got one down. One down, one down. I'm Andrea Hart. I have basically worked for every single youth media nonprofit in the city of Chicago. Um, and I'm the education director for City Bureau. I also enjoy being playing the role of little sis to Daryl's yeah. big brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is he like a nice big brother or a mean big brother? He's a really lovely, nice big brother who big, big is fun to make fun of. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just off top, like let the people know, like what what is City Bureau? How long y'all been rocking? What, you know, what makes y'all different? Cause y'all come with a different energy. Yeah, okay. So we can do. We have a. We have so many spiel's about this. Uh, City Bureau started about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Daryl and I got together. We're kind of talking about our respective roles in the media industry in Chicago and what we thought was missing. And from there, just started dreaming and scheming this idea of designing something that we want one day to be a public newsroom and a public journalism school on the south and west sides of the city. Mm. So we've been working with a group of about 20 plus journalists from beginner to very experienced for the last like 
six months kind of creating that and what that looks like. In addition to doing all these town halls, we're trying to be everywhere all the time, yeah. basically. And how, I mean, just from the outside, it seems like it's working really well. Like you guys are doing really cool stuff. Um, I want to kind of give a little bit of a framework for what y'all call community journalism. And uh, I pulled it straight off your website, but I'm going to go ahead and read it or what do y'all could, but I'll, I'll read it. Um, He's so prepared. Amen. I love it. Amen. <laughs> What, what you don't know, what you don't know, is this is the only thing I wrote down. <laughs> so we got one quote, and All that's right. it. All right, let's get um, started. But I think like it informs how we talk about, you know, what y'all do. What is community journalism today? When community policing is a euphemism for racialized surveillance tactics, when community leaders often hold more allegiance to entrenched authorities than to local resistance, when the rhetoric of community does as much to build fences as it does to surmount them, is there a community to which journalists can speak? Against all odds, I think so. The key is not to speak to, but rather among. And the key word is access. Community journalists start by asking, who is this story about and how do we include them? Community journalists write where they live. They write about their neighbors for their neighbors. They write over fences. Mm. Standard journalists say, here's what I think. Community journalists say, here's who I am. Here's what I've got. Now, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, that all just makes sense. It's like beautiful. <laughs> Uh, where did that come from for y'all? And I know the form of it on your website is super cool too. Um, and that doesn't translate to radio, but talk about like what that looks like. That, that line, those lines came from uh, one of our reporters named Gene Cochran. Uh, and he made that, basically his application to City Bro the very first time was, uh, he basically put it into a graphic novel format. So it was like a comic book. And th those were the lines from that comic. Yeah. Uh, as far as community journalism or how we see ourselves, maybe taking it back to six months or so ago, um, I was working at DNA Info, like all of us are working in this media industries in various capacities. Um, I had quit, uh, not for any, you know, um, not for any particular uh, bad reason or anything against DNA, but it was just time to move on. Uh, and How long were you there? Four years or so from okay. the very first days of DNA, mm. I was covering a, a homicides, I was covering murders, then I was covering Logan Square, Humboldt Park. Uh, so we can go into that all day. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll, yeah, come, yeah. we'll come back to that later. Um, but basically, the four of us, the four of us who found it, had uh, frustrations and experiences with media where we saw how things were going, but we saw how things could be uh, improved and made better. So that that's like rooted in hope, you know, for uh, what the industry, the ecosystem could be. City Bureau, I think, is our response to that, creating something different and new and innovative. Yeah, we and we followed the same track, basically. I just quit my job, pretty much, of four years. Right. <laughs> hey, like you, like, just, just quit, right? Yeah, like, like you yesterday just, was my last full time. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> Respect. Thank <Congrats>. you. <laughs> so we, I guess we believe in this. Yeah, no, you're, like, <laughs> doubling down. I love the community, like, I feel like, I'm part of one of the few com communities where people say, like, yeah, I just quit my job. Like, people, like, cheer. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, people, like, congratulations. Like, right. like, we always have parties when people yeah. quit their job. Yeah. Yeah. That's a success story. Yeah. So you were at DNA, and where were, where were you? I was at Free Spirit Media. And, uh, oh, now much love to Free Spirit. Is yeah. that where I met you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. All oh, right. My, my kids were harassing you to try <laughs> to be in a piece, and then that we're always everywhere, like, filming whatever's happening. Right. So, yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll take it. What were you doing there? 
Oh, what was I doing there? So I um, I designed a mobile civic newsroom called Real Shy Youth. And so they're this advanced group of young people that sort of was allowing me to incubate some ideas that now we can expand on in City Bureau in terms mm-hmm. of getting young people from the community uh, paid and, and also able to access these kinds of tools and storytelling. And now what we're getting to do, you know, we, we got to pilot some stuff with them in the fall. We'll continue to do so. And it was cool because some of them, were published in spaces like The Guardian and whatnot, and I think it's it's a different it's a different look from what I've seen other people do because mm-hmm. we have the faith I think in what we're doing, you know. Yeah, that's what's up. So so what, what I want to get right into it. What does that look like, right? If I knew a young person who might be interested in writing or interested in journalism. Right. Like what what is that process that you guys are trying to create access for? Yeah. So we actually just launched our so we have three tracks of journalists. The first track is the least experienced with media, but the most experienced with the issue we're covering, Mm. which this year thematically has been police misconduct. Um, The second track is sort of this a little bit older than that age range might have some experience with media. They do a little more investigative reporting. We actually just announced the application for this cycle for that track. So if anybody's interested, they can find that they can access that through us through the website um, through our Facebook we've posted it up and then track three is the are these like rock star community activists and journalists who mentor all the other tracks and so at every step of the way you have this sense of connection to a community that you're now a part of and access to different resources and what we try to do on top of having these people and being very people centered is have this this mix of grassroots institutions and that are grassroots organizations and big institutions mm-hmm. um, and then building those bridges. So like allowing people to have access to Northwestern's night lab or things like that. Um, so trying to also mimic what we're doing in the newsroom on a larger scale with our partners. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, you know, we've had a lot of folks who are doing uh, kind of in different um, mediums and or media, but to, in the like actual meaning of that word, doing the similar thing of like, uh, here we had an institution that said it was doing this thing and it has failed us. Yeah. So we got to come up with a better version. Yeah. Um, and so from someone who has always like looked at journalism as a passion and also like skeptically because I see where it comes up short, uh, it's exciting from the outside to see what y'all are trying to do for you. Were there moments... Uh, kind of personally either like learning about how journalism works or um, actually seeing like a reporter or a publication really mess something up and have there be ramifications where you're like, no, like the urgency is now. We got to do this like right now. Um, This might be a good time to get back into uh, covering crime for... yeah. Uh, a mainstream outlet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can definitely talk more <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, in in short answer, yes. And the word I use often is this word uh, parachuting. Uh, we often see, and I'm not sure this is a problem with particular journalists or particular outlets. It's 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 an issue with the industry as itself. Uh, what journalism? I, I think what, what, what readers too. What, what gets clicks? Crime stories get clicks. So yeah. outlets write stories that that do that. Uh, but what we see is that groups that are marginalized, communities of color mostly that are kept out of the conversation, are often being talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's largely just so-and-so shot on this block. 100 words, right. put it right. out, gets right. mad clicks. Uh, 
what we're talking about is reframing that entire narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, people be left out of the conversation. How do we bring them back in? And how do we, uh, in a lot of ways, force the industry to recognize that one, they need these people, uh, and two, they need to be hiring them in their newsrooms, uh, and three, that narrative needs to reflect those things. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I have. The, I'm really interested to have this conversation with you, right? Because you basically have been covering violence during the the period where like the idea of Chirac came about right yeah. and I don't want to get too much into that word because that's definitely a weighted conversation uh, but the media's overplaying right of this community violence or at least this disproportionate weird viewpoint and it always felt somewhat on an industrial level as like if it was like the sports page, right? Like, right. like they were go- all these numbers and all these stats and all of these like highlights. Yeah, scoreboard um, reporting, right? Like right. Yeah. And and then and then like the overuse of like gang related and right. how yeah. it makes it look like this ridiculous like post apocalyptic war zone of right, these like right. you know scavengers just killing each other for no reason. How do you? How did that feel? How how what what are some of the things that I may not see? from the outside looking in, because I'm like really, really critical of that mm-hmm. um, as how the, the mainstream institutions were, were like framing how violence and homicides were happening in this city. Uh, so on on my website, my bio page, and pretty much everywhere I, I put people asking about this, it says reform crime reporter. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, there are stories that I wrote early on that like, I'm at this point almost ashamed of just uh, mm. being young and early reporter. Crime reporting for the industry is uh, a, a, a traditional way for younger, green, early reporters to come straight from college into reporting. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. that that that's traditional. Those are not the experienced people. Often not. Wow. Why? Why do you think that is? Like, what is it about that that is? Even though those are like high stakes stories, or could be high stakes stories. Why? frame those as these, like, well, these are just the facts, go get the facts and type up 100 words. I think it kind of gets back to what I was saying earlier, that there's not a value placed mm-hmm. on these communities to be able to, one, speak for themselves, but for two, for people to actually be invested and involved and engaged with the community so that, yeah, you write a story where there was a shooting, someone was hurt, there's violence. But if you're not also in that community for other reasons, to go to the bakery to talk to somebody that's not violence related, I think you're doing it wrong. You know, that's not the. Then you're only going to get this one viewpoint, and that that's that scoreboard type reporting. Mm-hmm. So for we we could get off this one. So for those um, of us who may be like highly skeptical of of mainstream media um, and like the belief that those who own the outlets of information are connected to those who profit from pr- oppression. Yeah. Right. And are connected to those who benefit from framing Chicago and, and framing how those who are structurally abandoned are surviving. Yeah. Um, is that too simplistic of a viewpoint or is or is there something accurate to that from having s- seen some some of those folks? I, I do have one point without pass over to Andrea, too. No, go ahead. Um, I don't think necessarily it's too simplistic, but I would say that there is a responsibility on readers to support media that serves the functions that they do want yeah. uh, you know if 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 you are if you know if, if you believe in ergo 
put 20 bucks in hey. the donation tab, you know? Like, <laughs> if, for, if, for the record, we do have a donation tab. I know, I saw Patreon. it. I, Throw that cash, listeners, go, let's go. Go to the website, and if you support media, if you support City Bureau, go to the website and support City Bureau. I don't mean, like, complain about how media is, you know, this and that. I mean, put your money and your energy where your mouth is and, and help those groups succeed, because that's how we take over, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So why don't we, uh, well, yeah. No, but I think what you're saying, and that's the conversation we have on the education side, is this mm. is the reality of the structures that exist, and then coupled with that, the deconstruction and, like, sort of, like, trying to dissipate communities that used to do neighbor-to-neighbor news, right? Mm-hmm. And so how now trying to revive that, also understanding the value of then how can you creatively disrupt those spaces? Like, that's a real value. And then also, for us, part of our success, I think, has been that we've identified people in those institutions who, you know, they need to get paid, they need a job, or and but at the same time, they understand they want to do more, and they're limited in that institution, but they want to throw something our way because we can do that work that they can't necessarily do in that space. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been a lot of where we found some success and more community, too. Mm-hmm. So when we, we're going to play a song, give everyone a second to catch their sure. breath, but uh, when we come back, I want to kind of walk through maybe like an example of how a story comes together. And I know we have a little bit of some raw materials you sent my way. So I'm excited to kind of do an example of this. But first, um, Ergo alum, The Mind, dropped this a few weeks ago. I really like it. I think it's just like a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, you're listening to Ergo. Here's Mercury Rising by The Mind on WHPK. A mother named the Jupiter She had never ever seen the stars And we were urban astronauts The spaceship that couldn't take us that far We're allowed to dream though, right? He said, but we're allowed to dream though, right? Whoever said the sky was the limit Wasn't living where I was living Whoever said the sky was the limit Wasn't living where I was living Father named Mercury. He had always wanted to be a star. So he started selling more rocks. Cause he said it was never in his cosmic cards. His astrophan had bullet holes, windows he tinted doors. Depression was clinical, income was critical. They just want a trip to the heavens, they go to hell just to get to it. They just want a trip to the heavens, they go to hell just to get to it. 
blows the mind. You listen to Ergo Radio WHPK 88.5. We are here for some with some fabulous folks from City Bureau. Um, I feel like you had a question. I feel like I'm just going to pass the ball. Okay, I'll take the ball yeah, and I'll run ahead, with it. Go ahead. Um, so what, what I kind of want to do here, and I don't know exactly this will work, so bear with me. Um, we, we do it on the fly here at Ergo. This is the Beauty of Live Radio. Um, so you, you sent me a clip that one of your reporters uh, gathered interviewing someone, but I want to kind of back up one step to kind of map from idea to story mm-hmm. or idea to piece that's out in the world. Just kind of slowly show how that evolves. So like, what's the first step when you guys are like, you know what, we want to talk about this. How does it, how does the newsroom work for you? How does it work? Uh, I'm going to take it straight from the newsroom, I think. When we first started the program, again, in, in March, we'll do it the same way. Uh, each group takes a research topic. Yeah. We just do some basic looking into issues, bring it back to the group, and from there start forming ideas about, you know, is this a database story? Uh, the Invisible Institute, another group I work at, recently released a citizen's data, uh, a police data project, which mm-hmm. is a database of 56,000 uh, police complaints from just everyday citizens that was not released to the public and is and now is. Uh, so we began reporting around that in a lot of ways in the very first cycle. That led to the policing issues. Um, and this clip probably reflects sort of uh, a more creative approach, a more open approach to starting with yeah. people on the ground and then bringing it through editorial chain uh, and making it high quality professional journalism work. Yeah, I think the other side of it too is like the we I know in in an education setting it's always that it, I try, try to preface experience matters, not necessarily the title. So if you're trying if you're coming up with a story idea and it's based around an experience you have or people that you know have had that that's valid and mm-hmm. that it's not just like coming from this official quote unquote source. Yeah, and that's that was the word that exactly I wanted to get at, like sourcing <laughs> yeah. and sources. What does that process look like um, from your more community focus? How does that differ from mainstream sources um, or, you know, how do you, the search for sources? Yeah. And also, if you're having a lot of young people often like coming fresh out of school, how do you break the idea of like academic sources? What is the distinction between like journalism and like, oh, let me just Google this for my book report type stuff? Mm-hmm. Now we know how you cited your sources in college and high school. Oh, oh Wikipedia was the start. I definitely, I definitely didn't like just quote Wikipedia, but but I would. That's the the, the, the launching pad yeah. for sure. Absolutely. This answer might start with. I mean, we're big and increasingly so on uh, ground level uh, outreach. Yeah. You know, when we find people like yourselves who know people who know other people. Um, Really having this uh, personal connection where there's trust leads us, I think, to finding sources who know a ton and are credential and, 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 you know, are experienced and they're reliable and they know things that the regular, you know, uh, sources just don't have access to. So, I mean, help help from our friends, basically, help from our sources. Yeah, I mean, and even one of the one of the video pieces that came out of the fall was a story about one of the young people that we were working with. Um, mm. His mother 
he was 11 and had been abused by an off-duty cop and tried to charge him as an 11-year-old mm. with assault. And his mother was able to be one of the rare success cases where she advocated for her son and they ended up winning a settlement. So, mm. But it brought up this larger discussion around juvenile interaction with police. And so they wanted to kind of talk about that. So that, that to me is a really good example of what Daryl's talking about. Um, and then the other side of it, too, is like we've had these series of town halls in different mm. community spaces. And that's another space where we're kind of trying to access what do people need? What do they want to see? What do they want to hear? Or what are their story ideas that maybe we can start digging at? The, the questions they have around the policing data or whatever that we can dig at because we have we have the ability to do that. And I, I should probably give one one single warning here in that we are intentionally focus on engaging and reflecting community, but that doesn't mean that every story is going to be to your liking. (laughs) We are still journalists. It is still going to be uh, a reflection of the world, you know, based on research and and, and facts and sources and so on. But bridging those two worlds, I think, is what we're trying to get at. Yeah, so that has its challenges in terms of maintaining that trust. I mean, how do you, or do you have ways, especially when you're training your reporters, kind of tips? And it's something that I think, like, I think about a lot in some of the work I do, even with the show. And I know Dan and I have talked about it a little bit. Like, how do you, what are some of the tools that you feel like help people build trust with someone they're talking to? Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question. You want to that, maybe that's how you build trust. You just ask really good questions. <laughs> I, I I think not interrupting the person you're interviewing is mm. huge. Like, I think it's all those subtle things, you know, that, like, you're listening to them, you're taking the time, and I think it's really big to to show that you understand the context. Wait, let me cut you up now. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was waiting for it. I'm like, come on, I opened that door. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I, I do think um, it's really important. Context is really important, right? Because I think a lot of people might see things as they are and think they've always been that way. And so when you're engaging somebody, you're interviewing them, and you you know where they live or you know where they're, they're from, you know their age range, you might have a sense of what they might have experienced in their lifetime. I think showing that in your interview process, it shows that you're invested. And I think that's where the trust comes out. So let's hear an example of just a a piece of an interview um, that one of your reporters gathered and then we'll run from here. Yeah. Here's, um, well, Let's hear it, and then we'll talk a little bit about who it is. After track you about the yeah, I was like, like a song. Hey, this brand new exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> bah, 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 we got these interviews on deck. <laughs> yeah, catch us on, on that mixtape coming out soon. DJ uh, Reliable Sources. <laughs> <laughs> this is DJ Reliable Sources. You're listening to Ergo. We'll be right back after this clip. Um, value and respect the people that you're serving. And I don't think that the police and many others in the system really value these uh, young people and people in our community. You know, we say a lot of times restorative justice. Restorative justice is how you would want it if it was your kid. And my guess is every one of us would leave no stone unturned to find what our children need in order to grow and thrive. You know, we would spend our last dollar. we 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 would walk the furthest in order for our child, if it was my child, to have what he or she needs. As a community, as a society, that's how we have to see this. These police, myself, teachers, court personnel, social workers, whatever your profession, has to see these as a part of our children. These are not the problem. They didn't come from somewhere else. And so that relational kind of slant of really trying to build relationship, it's, in my mind, is huge. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. So we're all in here nodding in agreement with uh, <laughs> with with the interviewee. Who uh, who is that and who yeah, gathered the interview? Yeah, I need to talk to that guy. So that's Father Kelly, who's out of Precious Blood, who's been I think one of the biggest advocates for restorative justice in that I've seen um, in the city of Chicago. Been doing that work for a while. And the person what area who, is the church? Uh, uh, back of the yards. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure. 100 percent sure. I think. Uh, anyway, fact check that, DJ fact check. Um, so, We're killing it. Uh, I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, thank you. So, um, but that interview was done by one of our track three journalists, Martine Macias, who we call Chavi. And I think that matters because, like, Chavi's grown up in youth media spaces in the city of Chicago. I'd worked at Radio Arte, has a very strong community activism background, and as does Father Kelly. And I think that's kind of the magic of what can happen when you have those two people in that space. And the beauty of that then is then Xavi can now play this piece to students younger than him and sort of explain the context of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, I love that you picked that clip because it's relationships at the end of the day and i think that's what we're about too on that internal media process side like what are these relationships we're building because it matters if you're trying to expand the restorative justice practices and it also matters for us if we're trying to expand the media practices that we're doing so is restorative justice a a tenet of of your journalism or is that just was that just a subject that y'all were like covering yeah, right formally there. or informally. Like, it sure. could be in how you walk through the world as journalists. Sure. Right, because that was kind of part of my critique of, of like, you know, the old school media yeah. of how they cover violence, yeah. right? It's very punitive. It's very castaway. Yeah. It does not restore or repair the harm or the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, and so is, is, does that sound like something that y'all are, like, maybe unofficially doing? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the word that came to mind when you were just talking is, um, I think I see our work as a corrective in a lot of ways, so a lot of that's you know, a lot of things that have been happening as far as media coverage, and by corrective, I mean that, yeah, we're interested in restorative justice. Uh, yes, we're interested in community organizing. Yes, we're interested in X, Y, and Z, and our reporting, uh, which is intended to be fair and balanced in a way that is journalistic, is meant to be a corrective to uh, avoid in that kind of coverage. And I would extend that even to our reporters. Yeah, uh, voices like Chavi. Uh, Traditionally, I think, are left out. There was this report that came out from uh, the Columbia Journalism Review saying that most newsrooms don't have any reporters of color at all. And then mm. the, the other ones have one or two. Yeah. Imagine the voices that are just missing from the, the you know, the news journalism completely. Yeah. Right. And the question is also for that one or two, like, what are the stories that are being assigned? Are yeah. they getting in positions of, you know, editorship? And we see it, you know, in all other kinds of, like, creative industry and you know, other industries as well. But it's America. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's like you can have your rep, but like when are they getting to actually shape the story that's being told? Yeah. And that especially, I mean, those those statistics are especially frightening on a local level, you know, and I think that's where it's really important to try to reclaim that local media narrative. Um, but I mean, in an educational setting, yeah, it's always like ask that question. Why did this young person get charged as an adult? You know, and right. I think that's part of that implementing that restorative justice process for me like what is the next question or what what is the question that to others they may not ask it because it's just why would you question a police officer like the charging? official report yeah, yeah. and so it's yeah, like exactly. that is that's part of the training for me for those like first track where it's like all right what are the questions that this person who ran this story didn't ask that you think they should have so based off that and kind of uh daryl's comment earlier about people may not like every piece um, where, where does neutrality come into play? Is that, is that a necessary tool of journalism or, or, or yeah. is I that mean, like old school? I get asked this a lot. Yeah. 
I, I get asked this a lot, probably because I'm on that line often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the question usually is, uh, you know, do you think you're unbiased? And my answer to that is, I'm I'm not concerned with bias. I'm I'm concerned with fairness. That's what I'm about. Uh, I don't think it's neutral. Like, uh, I'll take BYP for an example. BYP 100 for example. When you're all talking about black liberation, of course. I am, of course, I mean, <laughs> how am I not going to be? Am I, am I biased? No. Yeah. You're just like, I, just like hmm, interesting. Yeah, right. Tell me more about this. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm a, I'm a young black male, 30 years old. I'm exactly in that, that framework of, of what BYP 100 is, is doing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. Uh, can I write a story that is fair to both sides? Yeah, I, I believe I can. And I believe that we uh, can talk about these issues and engage with the communities who are living these issues and can be fair in our reporting. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> going back to that community journalism definition, it's honest too. It's like, here's who I am, here's what I think, what do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you keep that as a framework and not saying, here's what it is, what are your thoughts on what it is? Yeah. Because yeah, it feels almost like sometimes uh, the whole neutral or unbiased ideal um, is like a, a, a costume or, or an excuse, right, to like continue a lot of harmful processes so yeah. i think on the panel we were together i believe i said something like you know if you're neutral when people are dying you're a part of the problem right, right. so how, how can you there are some things that are just humane right. right like so so that's really what my question was about are there ever times where maybe even in doing the work and going through the process of like talking to all the sources that like the, the info you're getting back the raw not data uh but the info you're getting back conflicts with what you believe about the world or what you believe Mm-hmm. about humanity right like if you happened to get a lot of people who said like you know jason van dyke you know let's hear him out you know <laughs> like right give like shot, got, give gotta right? hear both sides here <laughs> you know like and i know that's a very extreme yeah. ridiculous scenario but i'm sure you have at some point engaged things that maybe conflict with your experience of the world uh, two of our reporters recently did a story with the chicago reader uh, looking into the Fraternal Order of Police's uh, involvement with the media narrative and how that media narrative shapes uh, truth and shapes exonerations of police officers. Right. Uh, yeah, we went and interviewed Pat Camden. Yeah, we called Dean Angelo. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we want to talk to those people. Um, me, as an editor of that piece, not a writer, I was able to take one step away and say, like, some of this stuff is crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but do we want to hear their voices? Yeah, because what we want, I mean, really, I want to see those people, the people uh, that in some ways are... Ignorant? Yeah, I, I want to see them in dialogue with us. I, right. I, I don't want to see more barriers placed between people and the politicians and yeah. the government. I want to see us all power. Yeah. yeah. And also yeah. they'll expose themselves. Right. If you if you let people who are on some like uh supervillains. Yeah, on some like <laughs> house, on some like house of cards in every way. Like yeah. one for themselves. Power, yeah. yeah, if you yeah. keep asking the right questions, eventually like their biases come through, their hatred comes through, their uh, ignorance comes through or just their like ridiculousness. The, the yeah. absurdity yeah. of of yeah. like positions that people stand really strong on because they're sticking to their talking points mm. when you when you just keep asking the questions that falls apart 
often. Right. Right. I think yeah. Right. And like what you were saying, it's it's like we the old way and what the old way of like doing news, it like ties it up nicely. It's like yeah. this is the package, right? Mm. There's no conversation that keeps happening. And I think for us that's not how it is. It's really messy cool. and it's a dialogue. And again, I think just how we try to infuse some of what we do into the institutions we work with, we want that to happen to some of the people that we're interviewing too, ideally. Like we want you to kind of realize there's a whole other story happening here that you may not be aware of. Yeah, Damon, I actually have a question for you. Oh, all right. So y'all take a second. <laughs> oh, <yeah. clears throat> um, but I think like we keep talking about how traditional news reporting fails. Um, and I'm curious, and that's like a big statement. I do believe it, but I think it's a big statement. Like what are some ways in, whether it's in the face of protests or in other like with press releases and stuff like what are the moments where you've seen it fail and you're like oh we just can't trust you now um the the number one like big outlet issue I, so ferguson taught me a lot um like going back and forth and seeing the truth and seeing the actual people and then seeing what cnn would say mm -hmm. right and them being this biased thing where mm -hmm. people were really like they were throwing tear gas bombs in the neighborhoods right and they're talking about storefronts and like right. you know this 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 both sides of the story thing when it's oppression yeah. um but personally the 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 day of the laquan mcdonald video release um after getting into like a crazy crazy brawl with the police um a woman like drove her car through a circle and like people were getting really upset um, and actually a good friend, somebody you know, somebody who's been on the show was like really mad. And the cameraman, I saw him like waiting in the back and then he saw this like angry black woman and went and put the camera like right in her face to like get this very sensationalized mm -hmm. shot. So I just went and stood in front of him, right? Like I didn't, I wasn't on a problem, I just stood there. I'm like, I'm not about to let you get that shot. Mm -hmm. And he said, he pulled out his pass like it was a badge and said, oh, I'm from the Chicago Tribune, move. I'm like, move. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. the cops just told me to move, and, and that don't work. Like, I'm not moving. No, you're not about to get that shot. He, he kept saying, I'm with the Tribune. I'm with the Tribune. I'm filming you. I'm filming you. I'm like, I don't care. You're not about to, you can't do that. I'm like, yes, I can. I'm not moving. Now, what's up? And then he said, like, after we were having, actually, he was like really trying to get at me. Then he said to me, I'm going to call the police over here on you. And like, right after they had like been choking me. You know what I'm saying? So he was like basically saying, I am connected with the power and I have control over your body. I am from the Chicago Tribune. And because of that, I have this right to like mm -hmm. do what I want carte blanche. So it's been F word, the Chicago Tribune. But that even though I've, I've seen them say some things that were better and like, I'm sure there are some people in there who aren't that guy, uh, but he spoke on behalf of that institute. He didn't say I'm doing this. He says I'm with the Tribune. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that is emblematic of how they are, if you are coming to this protest and you know we are here because someone died, you know we are here because this is an epidemic of violence and you're on, right. you know what I'm saying, you're on some petty stuff with me, right. you did, you're on the other side, like, actually. Yeah, so for y'all and training reporters, like, what, instead of doing what that dude did, <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you teach them? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to context, right? It's like, I think in that moment, he was going through all of what his training and his mm -hmm. triggers and like, this is what he's taught and <laughs> this is his robotic response. And that's 
crazy. It's like that's like so dehumanizing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, that's a big thing where it's like, okay, so how do we implement these human elements into? Because a private person does not have to talk to you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like a public person, a public official does. There's a huge difference, and right. so mm-hmm. how do you how do you approach that? And how is your reporting style reflective of this bigger intent that we have in trying to like deconstruct some racist, sexist policies and media making? We have a example of that because Chavi was there. Yeah, Chavi was covering that very same event mm-hmm. where you were at. Um, and you know he, he's out there. He tells a story to me too. He we wrote a story for the reader uh, about why black space matters. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that we can do. Right. Uh, yeah. He was out covering the protests, and someone told him to move aside, basically because he was taking up valuable black space. What Chavi did. He put his notebook in his pocket and he stuck around. But what he did was he called y'all up afterwards and made a relationship so that now he can call you on your cell phone when something comes up as opposed to like sticking a camera in the face, you know, just like wait a minute and take it in and be a reporter, be respectful, but be there. Yeah, yeah. No, that... That seems like a better version, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. not that hard. It's, it's not. just humanizing. It really yeah. It's really, it's really. I mean, like, I don't want to get too deep, but it's, it's really like a, a product of capitalism because people feel oh, like totally. their their job is more important than your life. So, like that whole day, the way they were like circling us yeah. before, like even any of the protests was happening, yeah. and like just the lack of of empathy and concern, mm-hmm. and like they just it was helicopters were like on our, over our office, and it was. It was like really stressful and almost traumatic. And there were like few people who could respect the fact that like, yo, this is hard for us. This is a very tough day. This is not a, a spectacle right. for the five o'clock hour, right? Mm-hmm. Like we like we had been planning for hours and they were just like sitting outside our office, like with all the trucks, all you know, the two fives and sevens of the world. And those are the folks tasked with telling your stories. Yeah, and, and they care definitely much more about like their assignment yeah, production. than the fact that yeah. somebody just died and we are here mm-hmm. mourning death, you know? So well, let's break for another song. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll <laughs> no, but I, I think that was, that's, that's beautiful. This is, we've been meaning to play this on the show the last couple of weeks, but we keep just having these long ass conversations with folks. This is, uh, you know, as you know, if you're a regular listener, the lighthouse over on 53rd is one of our sponsors. And one of the folks who takes care of us, takes care of us over there also hosts, a great open mic in their space. I think it's twice a month on Fridays. He also is a great poet and MC, and this is with a couple folks who I've seen come through YCA a bunch. This is a Black PR featuring Ali from the New Kings and Sid Shaw, uh, King Ron, here on Ergo WHPK. Militia music, it's the new genre with the new monsters Making so much noise, he breaking hearing aids Caught the juice so quick, they call it Minute Maid Black Power Rangers came to say today Because we was tired of the cliche with Hella names who talk good game But it's clear now, boy, we here now And we won't back down so y'all can back up No record labels out here backing us But I ain't about to be living no plan B life Sitting on the couch with my plan B wife Watching Jimmas on TV like that must be nice No, I won't be that guy inside the flyer die Hella artists forming a militia, was the vision? Hella artists trying to change the world, that's the mission Boy, you a poet, what you think you doing rapping? But I can take your raps and I can wrap you up backwards Take me out the box cause I don't fit into your brackets Now unwrap the king cause I don't fit into your package Now let me go back to being the poet The one who is waiting on his time to shine Trying to do numbers in Chicago without Andrew Barber's cosign Now that's gonna take some time or some power from the divine Out here changing this world two ears at a time I told them I was dropping out to be a Power Ranger But they thought that I was lying Dirt King. Even if I fail or not, take it up with hell I'm hot, won't end up living as a statistic in the jail or shot 
In the jail or locks, in the shell or box Against the ropes of Pacquiao, I not Rocky out I leave the Muhammad Power Ranger Simple, simple tense fiddling and when I'm spitting this Brothers bleeding, they period this 365 Through my eyes, I see ISIS Write these lines, battle vices Afro picket, be my tried and black Homies dying, think it's time for me to come and save the day I hustled in the past, but must be heard before I fade away My stainless spray, anyone step into the militia Keep my writings in my morpha, hit the button before I turn I am the Power Ranger Hey, that track was super decent. I'm gonna have to shout him out when we see him at the lighthouse. Absolutely. Shout out King Ron and Sisha. I really rock with her. Uh, this is Ergo Radio WHBK. We are here with some great young journalists from City Bureau. So, quick question, y'all. Like, how does it feel to be on the other side of the table? Like, to be <laughs> answering questions instead of asking? You go ahead. Uh, <laughs> As, as you know, Damon, I interviewed you yeah, is recently. This the, is this the first time you've been interviewed back? I did, this, this is the first no, time I interviewed back. It's usually no tag back. That was like last month, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 um, it's, it, it feels good. Man. It feels good to be able, like we, were, like we were talking about on the break, it feels good to just be able to talk. You know, yeah. and not have to be talking in sound bites. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a word count up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, one thing that came up also when we were, we were talking there, we'll be we'll be careful. On oh this. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, so we, we we shouted out YCA, and I know you mentioned Free Spirit, and a lot of these organizations that do very important good work mm-hmm. serving needs here. But also, of course, uh, and we've we've challenged the the nonprofits in whatever little way we can before. Yeah. But you know, they have their issues because they're responsible to the people who's giving them the cash. You right. know, um, and I think one way that we've seen it be like managed by the people doing good work in those spaces is when you use the guise of art or poetry or uh you know photo you know like what you media does creation right then you can you can create these subversive spaces under the guise of art right do y'all find that like it's a little harder with you know not the journal of course writing and journalism is an art but it's not there's no performance the same way there is a ladder than a bomb or there's no you know big mural that comes out sure um 
it's a little harder. Like, oh, there was a character. I didn't really mean it. <laughs> right. like, oh no, no, but you said their name and their address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's, it's a little harder to walk that line and kind of subvert that space, having to deal with the BS of the nonprofit world, um, when what the product is is a direct challenge. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, I think we everything's a performance, you know? Mm. And I think for Ooh. us, I think for us, depending on the space we're in, you're gonna get a different performance, right? And Again, so, sociologically. Um, like yeah, yeah, Hoffman so like, you know, we've, depending, <laughs> we've done presentations with people and really stressed the fact that like, it's a pipeline, like ultimately, you know, this access to resources and things like that, um, but may have like held back a little bit on talking about like being a public newsroom and a public, like, but I think ultimately, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that we've been lucky and that we haven't really had to compromise or hide anything. I don't know if it'll always be that way because I think we're still like in our infancy. Mm. But um, I think what I like about what we're doing is that it's very communal, communal in terms of even just four founders. There's not one founder. There's not one figurehead, you know. Um, I tend to not like to do interviews and push Daryl to be the figurehead. Um, <laughs> and I think that gets then reflected. Why, why is that? Uh, we don't need more white women in these like non okay. you know, these faces like inserting themselves, okay. I think. I um, so I think that's that's a big thing for me. But um, also, like, I just, I like teaching. Like, that's my thing, you know? I don't think I need to be in a spotlight for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, in the fact that we were founded like that, the fact that we're very honest with what we're trying to train individuals to do, and, I do, like, giving them that agency, like, the people that we work with. Because some of the danger when you're working in arts is it can almost feel like you're puppeting a young person. Mm. And I think that's that's real. And that yeah, can be real problematic. Sure. And uh, <laughs> and so I, I'm grateful that, like, we haven't had to feel that way, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I, I just add real quickly, too. I, I think we're a nonprofit. We're tasked, in a way, with pushing boundaries of what the media ecosystem looks like right now. Mm -hmm. So if that means that sometimes we got to just be brave and say what we are feeling, then that's, that's just the case. I think right now that's, we need to figure out how to explore ways to improve and fix the problems that we see. Yeah. So up here, I always like to, when we get a chance to ask some of our guests about like access and process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and those rhyme kind of a little bit, a little <laughs> slant rhyme Bars. there. Um, <laughs> So for a young person, or maybe even not so young person, um, who has an interest in journalism, but maybe did not study it at college, did not have a youth media program yeah. that they had access to, um, especially in a world, especially after school, right, where like writing is so vulnerable yeah. and people are so critical of your writing, it becomes very hard to get out of your shell. What are some first steps or suggestions for maybe a a recent college graduate or maybe a 19 year old who's not in school um, if they had interest in, in doing this work, if writing is, is somewhat of a barrier for them. Oh, so I mean, for us, that's where we I'm like, if you're down to film and do audio, then let's do that. Let's start with that. And then from there, we can if you stick with us longer and you want to do writing, then let's do it, you know, and you can help people build those skills. So they yeah. don't have to walk. That's the like the track. Yeah. It. yeah, and then it's not like a one and done thing. Like in an ideal scenario, you you somehow find us, you come to track one, you work your way up. You know, like we don't really want you to just be one and done. We we like to keep you. You know, we want to keep building what we're doing. Right, and all the tracks ideally are helping to mentor each other. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. And and you can transition from doing audio to reflective writing to then whatever, you know. So, yeah, I, I just I want to talk a little bit more about that writing process. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, like how, how do you all encourage that? What, are, what is like advice you give? Right. Like if someone's literally listening right now and maybe can't get up there. Right. Just like some first steps on like some of those fears oh, around yeah. writing because it's, mm-hmm. it's such a vulnerable craft. And, and yeah, art. I think. Yes. Sir. No, go ahead. I think you can talk from around about this. I think one of the entryways is to do a lot of reading and writing and do a lot of critiquing. You know, like there are a lot of news stories and they're meant to be critiques. So figuring out what it is that you do and don't like and then write, write, write. And, you know, come find us. Yeah. Is this a good time for a plug? Can we do like that? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> get it, get it. absolutely. absolutely. Plug. The email, info Ooh. at citybro.org. The Twitter, Ooh. at city underscore bureau oh all the, the plugs the facebook oh it don't stop <laughs> city bureau the, plug, the, plug is done. the <laughs> pinterest <laughs> the instagram <laughs> no but i i think i think you're right and i think part of i think for us and the biggest thing is like writing your truth like i think you know yca does do that i think that's really beautiful that's a great entry point and i think for us the thing is like now you have access to these other ways of expressing that and these other people that can help you leverage that in a different way um so i really the first step is finding us right. and then we basically will work with you right, right. that is the first step <laughs> all right we gonna before we wind down we're gonna just take a, a quick shift real quick change change the uh vibe in here and put y'all on the spot a little bit Ooh. you might you might even get in some trouble you know we <laughs> As, as as upstanding journalists. We here, we're all about accountability. Um, sometimes that looks like beef. So every week we, we start a beef up here with Ooh. a sect, a specific sect of the world, of the population that goes unchecked. Um, and I use the word run amok. They have run amok <laughs> for far too long. And we are reeling them back need in. A theme song for here, this here at Ergo. We do need a theme song Ooh, for this. Oh, man. We need a theme song. So I'm going to cut the suspense. It's called beef with the r&b singer oh the r&b world has had no beef they they get to just do and say what they want <laughs> with no accountability um so what y'all both have to do any era of r&b so from motown on down oh my God. you have to pick an r&b singer that you have beef with and why and it could be from a place of love but we prefer it not to be <laughs> <laughs> also, this is amazing just watching y'all so hard. At <laughs> like, there, there hasn't been a moment of hesitation all hour. You're like, yeah, no, we do this. It's all about that. <laughs> it's like, hmm. uh, Beef. You got one? I, I can only think of R. Kelly. There, this, R. Kelly. There. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's a repeat offender. I think my, in yeah, my, my mind, uh, and I, I'm not alone in amongst my female friends in sort of actively boycotting R. Kelly yeah. 2016, yeah, just yeah. changing the radio station, yeah. really trying not to move when his song comes on in right. any space. Um, <laughs> that's my beef, for very obvious reasons, I think. Yeah. I could probably, this is maybe more general, but like, I want to see more chance the rapper type activity as far as addressing issues outright so so that applies across the board like if you're not engaging with these really important social issues right then we got beef it's more than just the bedroom in the club that's the thing about r&b it's like this little fantasy world that like has nothing to do with day-to-day life just to make you feel good yeah which is like you need things that create joy but it's got engaged like he wrote so this is a good example i think of what you're talking about like he wrote, did you like, if you liked my song, my verse on Ultralight Beams, 
click this link to find out about how they're shutting down Chicago State. Right, right. Yeah. And you, you just go. like just link there it to it. Like yeah. it's super right. simple. That and way. I, I think that matters. And I think this is why we focus so locally because there's, I think so many things are too big to fail. And they intentionally, this is getting back to your capitalism mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. It like intentionally disconnects you and desensitizes you. But if you stay rooted in the way that he has and like in this way, you have to face what you're working with. You have to be in it and like in this mess. Mm -hmm. And so every, it, of course, that's like always on his head. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I, if I'm, promoting a song i have to promote my city no parachuting yeah no parachuting <laughs> and it's like my feet are firmly right here beef with yeah. r&b singer took us to a critique of capitalism i like it that's, <laughs> what we need to, that's how you bring journalists up here we're doing know? that means y'all many poets it. yeah yeah too many poets <laughs> on a week to week we elevate conversation yeah, up here raising the bar so your personal plugs i plug the the how would y'all feel if someone called you an institution? Ooh, I don't know. Ooh, last second question. That just came off. The, I was gonna call you an institution, but it depends on what you mean by institution, <laughs> I guess. Like if we're if we're like a good example, you yeah. know, of like the in that sense, yeah. Like I like that idea, you know. Yeah, I don't think of us as an institution though. Not yet. I mean, we're like they, a ragtag team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Small, the well, well y'all talked about the group individually. Where can people find you and, and get in tune with with oh, your yeah. life and your work? Uh, I put all my work. I need to update it on andreafayhart.com and then all my tag <laughs> all my uh, all my tags all my uh, twitter and all that is Lenny Fay L E N I F A Y E across the board is that it's what we're supposed to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, is, that is professional. <laughs> I got to keep it simple, otherwise I'll forget. Yeah. Uh, what, what am I? My website is uh, diaholiday.com. It's just D-I-A holiday with two L's on Twitter at D underscore H-O-L-L-I. Beautiful. So stay in tune with them. I got a Twitter and Instagram too. Uh, follow me <laughs> at Damon, D-A-M-O-N uh, underscore A-F, A-F stands for April Fool's. <laughs> I'm at Ergo Daniel A I R G O. I almost had, forgot how to spell Ergo there for a Ooh, second. Yeah, it means we've been talking about a lot of stuff <laughs> in my brain. But yeah, follow us at Ergo Radio, Ergo Daniel, Damon underscore AF. We'll be back next week with another strong young voice. Thank y'all so much Thank for coming so up here. This was, for having us. This was yeah, beautiful. Good time, man. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Come through this evening at 35th of Michigan. Let's pack that place out. And let's uh let's 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 keep reshaping the city. Much love. Black Power Rangers, Power Rangers. Black Power Ranger, Power Ranger. Black Power Rangers, Power Rangers. Black Black Black.